See, if you, if you just go, like, open the finder, it should be on the left, like, your name. You know, applications, documents, and it should be, like, Doug Klinger, whatever you signed up as. So it should be in in the finder? I don't see this finder, I don't think. Maybe I'm not, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Where applications, are... documents. Oh. Yeah, I, 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 see, I feel like such a noob. What? <laughs> great day to listen about music videos isn't it it is this is episode uh, three of season two we've been having a lot of uh good season so far um, we have been having a good season so far i yes. think and you know one of the things i wanted to do as we progress is kind of talk about some different topics um within music videos because the more you dig you know music videos are not something people talk about a lot but once you dig, there are a lot of interesting topics, and oh man, I have a I have a fantastic one for us this week. Oh, uh, what is it? It's product placement in music videos. Product placement in music videos, huh? That's I've wanted. Just, I've wanted to talk about this for a while. I uh, like uh, whenever I think of product placement, I always think of Wayne's World. <laughs> Good and one. like that and that one scene. Yeah, it's a great it's a great scene. When it's a taste it, of a new generation. Yeah, it's just like a million, yeah, a million product placements. It's like such a Mike Myers joke, but it's like, it is, uh, yeah, that's what always what I'll think of with product placement. Now, here's an interesting thing, because a lot of times we, we've been talking about how taking music videos, the internet has changed the industry and changed music videos, and product placement is an area where it has definitely changed music videos. Because I, I was not aware of this, but did you know that MTV's official stance is that it uh, does not allow product placement in their videos. Official product I'm, placement. I'm not surprised by that because I always notice MTV blurring out Nike logos on rappers' T-shirts a big time back in the 90s. Like like some of the old like Snoop Dogg and, and Dr. Dre videos, like they would actually have to blur out actual stuff. Like there's scenes where they're like pulling down girls bikini tops and stuff like that and that stuff would get blurred and then they'd be blurring some guy in the background's Nike t-shirt and I always like would think as a kid like oh what's on that guy's t-shirt I bet you it's a naked girl and really it's like clearly a Nike check now looking back to it it's like man that's a girl so uh no I'm not not surprised at all when you say that to me well that's something that I never made the connection with but it makes sense because it's sort of free uh you know they're sort of, in a way they're selling ad space um on mtv because they're showing the video but you know in the recent you know five years ten years you know what have you now that music videos have moved off the mtv channel and onto the internet it's sort of been open season for that kind of thing and actually just recently i'd say within the last two years or so since 2009 people have started noticing and talking about um, you know, product placement in music videos a, l a little bit more. And the one that they always cite over and over is the Beyonce Lady Gaga video for Telephone. Have you seen this video? I have not. I guess I'm not cutting cutting edge. Tell me, tell, do tell, where's the product placement in this video? Well, there's a lot of very overt product placement. If It's kind of a Thelma and Louise type um video thing where or video narrative where Beyonce and Lady Gaga kind of break out of prison I haven't seen the video in a while so I may not be explaining this right but anyway they're sort of outlaws on the run it's a pretty entertaining video but there's a lot of sort of overt product placement um, for instance uh, when the one of the guards of the, of the prison is on plentyoffish.com the dating website um, there is miracle specifically they like show the url and stuff oh yeah yeah well they show the they don't show the url i don't think you can really see it but they show the homepage 
Um, you can see it very clearly that it's playing, and it's kind of it's very explicit. They kind of you know uh, linger on it for a minute. Um, Lady Gaga makes a sandwich with Miracle Whip and Wonder Bread. Um, sh- their Virgin Mobile is all over the place in the music video. Um, and I think there is... I gotta I gotta see this video. Well, the thing, the thing is, it's kind of having fun with it a little a little bit. The product place yeah, like very overt. Having so much fun with all that money that they got from Virgin Mobile. Right. Well, well, the interesting thing is, is that most of those things were actually unpaid. Um, cause people would watch the video and they would say, oh my God, all this product placement. But it turns out that Wonder Bread, um, did not pay a dime to be in the music video. They just wanted to use Wonder Bread. Um, Virgin Mobile did not explicitly pay any, pay any money to be in the video, but they sponsored Lady Ball's, uh, Monster Ball tour, which was going out at the same time the video was being uh, uh, Lady Balls is what you <laughs> called it? No, Monster. I called Lady Monster Ball. <laughs> you said... <laughs> You said uh, Lady Ball's Monster Ball. <laughs> I'm sorry, that threw me off so uh, much. Because are there, <laughs> aren't there rumors that Lady Gaga's got um, uh, man, man, man parts? Yeah, oh, a long time ago. Or like, she, she has Lady Ball. Uh, I'm sorry, hey, dude. No, I'm I sorry. Play. I gotta listen back to that. Save this, save this podcast for, for me. No, but I will say this: videos like that um, have really uh, kind of blurred the line to where um, it's all a result of the internet. And I, you know, I find that you know it might be a, res- a result of me spending too much time on Twitter and like reading things that these artists and directors say and thinking that it's such so significant, or or maybe it really is. Like you know, our our podcast is is very much about the internet's influence on music videos as anything because you know all the music videos are on the internet and you know the these product placements in these videos really has because they're now on the internet and don't have this MTV rule um it's really blurred the lines to like remember that uh that Weezer thing that you tweeted for State Farm yeah oh my that god that State Farm and now there's Method Man just did one for uh, um, uh, Sour Patch Kids, what? and uh, yeah, there's a Method Man song with Sour Patch Kids. They actually talked about it today on Video Gum, um, and uh, yeah, there's like a it's like a full song, like two verses and two choruses, and he, like they he basically is like talking about what so, like the like if you leave uneaten Sour Patch Kids, what they're capable of, because you know like the Sour Patch Kids ad campaign now is uh like sweet or sour than sweet so like a sour patch kid like punch you in the face and then like hug you after so it's like all these sour patch kids like wreaking havoc based on method man's lyrics and i think at least at least that's like very obviously a commercial like they're eating sour patch kids almost immediately in the weezer one it's like a trick it's like a regular song at first, and then suddenly they like it turns into the State Farm jingle. It like I was so I I was so pissed about the Weezer. And if people who haven't seen it, it is basically exactly what Doug says. It's a Weezer song. They're in a studio. The video go along with it is they're in a studio recording it. Um, but you know, at a certain point, it takes a little bit of a left turn. It it is the State Farm uh, jingle, and you know, obviously, there's some sort of Weezer State Farm partnership. I you know I have less of a problem with with those per se than with there's a new sort of trend I don't know if it's new or maybe it's just more explicit now of rappers or you know other artists having deals with companies and then like actually working them into the songs like case in point the um, tonight song you know with uh, Pitbull and Neo and Nadia and and those guys yeah <clears throat> what. You know, when that first came out, I would, I would hear it, and the intro goes, he mentions Kodak twice in this little kind of you know, <laughs> spoken word intro. And when I first heard it, I was like, that's kind of odd. Because he rhymes Kodak with Kodak. Um, you know, talking about, you know, I'm not working hard. Yeah, picture that with a Kodak. And I thought that's a really dumb line. Then I realized that he's actually being paid by Kodak. He's like one of their, you know, spokespersons. There's this whole Kodak campaign that... Um, you know, Pitbull and Rihanna and a bunch of other artists are part of. Uh, I, it's funny because I think in the past, um, 
I think in the past rappers did it naturally. Like it it started with like alcohol. Yeah. So like Busta Rhymes would like make a song of Ossier and that like that wasn't he claims he wasn't paid by them. And it was just like what he wanted to write the song about. And then like all these rappers are like, you know, a hundred rappers rhymed party with Bacardi in like the 2000s, early 2000s. <laughs> and then um, like eventually like rappers started buying alcohol companies and stuff. And then like now when they're rapping about these companies, they know what they're doing. I mean, they're part owners or they're, you know, I mean, didn't uh, in the on the new on the Jay-Z Kanye album, Jay-Z even says something about something like mention Ciroc and give Puff's stock some help or something like that. Just, uh, you know, it's all the rapper's fault is basically what I'm saying. It is. Uh, I remember a story from the Bare Naked Ladies in 1999. They made a music video that probably very few people saw called for, for a song called Call and Answer in 1999. And in it, they used a lot of white VW bugs. And I was watching some commentary of theirs on the video, and they said that after they made it, they're like, hey, I wonder if we can get some money from VW. And they went to VW, and they, you know, this is 1999 when the bugs were huge. And they said, well, we're not really having any trouble selling these cars. So, <laughs> no. We don't, need, we don't need to give you any money. But exactly, thanks for using yeah. them. Yeah, and I think there's like even now there's that there's that line between, you know, something that's just used in a video um, that's featured prominently and something that's actually a, like a paid product placement. And even like something as recent, you know, I think two thousand nine or two thousand ten for the telephone video, um, you know, they they Lady Gaga rolls her hair up in uh, Diet Coke cans as curlers, and apparently that was was not paid because that's just how her mom used to do that, and it was sort of a reference to that. Um, so it's you can never really tell if you're listening to something and somebody's telling talking about a drink or a certain product, or you're seeing a certain product um, that you know where you know what the relationship is. So do your homework. Maybe we should make that a thing on the site. Maybe we should uh, make a list of sort of known paid. Uh, uh, sponsorships of the video. I absolutely think we should. I mean, we have the budget, and that kind of is a uh, kind of place part in it. I, I definitely think that that is another thing that you absolutely need to do to the site. So just add that to the to the list of bil <laughs> of billion things that you're working on right now. But I, I I think that would be a great feature. I mean, I think that uh you know we're we're looking to be complete with the information about the music video you know as much information as we can provide about the music video we'd like to provide it you know and so that's uh that is that would be a big part of it you know what i mean definitely and um you know another thing that i i was reading an article about having an ad agent or um what's that ad today or whatever an ad publication and <clears throat> they're talking about a really interesting shift in that a lot of artists or record companies are starting to look at music videos with product placement as not a lost leader. You know, in other words, not something that they automatically mo use, uh, lose money on. You know, for the Britney Spears Hold It Against Me video in uh, product placement, they made half a million dollars, which really cuts into the budget of, you know, the high budget music video. Um, so I think it's something that's that's really important because a lot of you know artists are saying that they can't make, or record companies are saying they can't make high budget videos anymore without you know including those 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 references and making them money. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's weird because I don't know, like a lot of these you know so many directors are saying that they're the benefit you know they're benefiting from the fact that music videos aren't on MTV anymore they're now just on the internet they have more freedom they don't have to you know live up to you know certain standards um because of the you know having to put these music videos out for MTV or whatever um but you know it's it just comes from the artists you know representation instead you know what i mean you have to 
uh, you know, you ha whoever's paying for the music video, um, they they're gonna want to return, you know, one one way or another. And if they can get a guaranteed return up front, I mean, that's still what it's about in the music industry. I don't know how many of the directors ne necessarily are are looking at it from that perspective. Um, well, a lot of them are pretty savvy. In the, I mean, in, in the way that that goes, and actually, that might be a good lead into our guest of the week, who I'm I'm definitely excited about. So it's the greatest lead in probably in the world to this interview. Mark that. That is the number one lead in. Um, Winning lead in. So we shouldn't. You you probably know by now that our guest on the podcast is uh, Mr. Brian Schlom. Uh, who is the director and editor of some really cool videos. Um, if you just search for him on the site, it's a Brian with a Y, um, such as um, Meg, uh, My Ugly Mouth by Megan Dia, uh, Why Even Try by Theophil... God, you got to say his name. I don't know his name. Theophilus London. Theophilus the London. There we go. <laughs> Fireworks you did by it. the Hoof and the Heel. And... Um, one that Doug is big and I are a big fan of uh, why everybody that you love by bomb in the music industry and uh, Chinatown by Kitten, which is also a great music video. Um, I want to hear you say Theophilus London again. I'm a fan of the site. So it's, awesome, it's a, thank you. It's good to have a site out there that's a resource for like fans and music videos. The picking is uh, far and few in between. Yeah, well, actually, I saw on your Twitter that you were at, uh, you were, or were you at Vivo? Vivo's headquarters? Yeah, yeah, I was. I was, uh, I was shooting something. It was pretty funny. Oh, nice. Was it, was it, uh, was it a music video or was this something for them? Um, no, I was following this artist. She's like, I guess a number one recording artist in the UK, but she's just trying to break it here, uh, KDB, and she had like all these meetings all around town. So I was, uh, I was going to like AOL and Vivo and you know all the stuff. So I got to see their headquarters and stuff. So it was pretty funny. I think are they in New York? Yeah, they're in Manhattan. I, I forget the address, but somewhere in Midtown. Oh, cool. In some big, in some big corporate building. I mean, all the labels are probably in the same building, to be honest with you. I, I vaguely remember seeing other stuff like that. Well, they're like the man, and we're kind of like the the indie two people operation. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing about Vivo is that they, you know, it's such a great service. In you know, when you think about it, you want the ability to have everything archived, and yet. You know, what they've done now is they've put everything with, like, advertisements, commercials, and then, you know, they don't they don't keep every music video. You know, a lot of videos that, that you want to watch, you can't find. And it's all blocked, and the embedding is all blocked. So it's, like, kind of frustrating, because we're in the world of, like, you know, sharing and embedding, and, you know, they've, they've limited the amount of stuff you can do with that. Yeah, it's been a problem for us too because we work off in bed, off in beds. Yeah. Um, well, that's why that's one of the reasons why Vimeo is cool. You know, not only as community, but I think as like a, like a site. You know, they don't have any blocked embeds, and their embeds are always like really good quality. Yeah, actually, we wanted to ask you eventually about that, about some of the stuff you put on Vimeo, because we're a huge Vimeo fans. We'll always put up something that's on Vimeo before, uh, or the Vimeo source before YouTube. Um, before that, I wanted to to ask you. You know, we've we've talked to a few music video directors, and you're one in, in a I think a small group that you know when you search for you on Google, you come up as a music video director. Um, and you know everything on your your site real is you know is music videos. Um, so you know it's it's pretty clear that you see yourself you know really working in the medium. You know what drew you to that medium, and how'd you get into it? Um, well, really, I guess if the, if the question is what led me into the world of music videos, um, you know, I don't know. It, it kind of happened by happenstance, you know, like I, I always wanted to get into feature film and I always wanted to tell, you know, a narrative story and 
a lot of my favorite directors, like people like David Fincher or, you know, let's say Michelle Gondry for one, they all started out as music music video directors, you know, like, like Spike Jones and Propaganda and stuff like that. And their visual artistry is just so, like, epic because, I mean, it's beyond, you know, any sort of natural storytelling. So I, um, I ended up interning straight out of school for Partisan, which is pretty cool because I actually got to work in a set with Michelle Gondry, and that was actually really funny. Nice. Um, would not, <laughs> uh, unless... <laughs> Unless you're above the line, would not recommend them working anything with them, but that's another story. <laughs> but, yeah, and, you know, I just saw the world there. I mean, it was really cool because they, you know, they would throw you on set right away and just throw you in the mix. And, you know, it's like a, at, at that point, that was like the beginning of the, you know, the low-budget videos. You know, they would they would have you shooting indie videos on, like, an HVX or something like that or, like, a... Uh, one of those, like, EX Sony cameras. So, I mean, it was, like, really low budget. Like, you know, nothing like it is now. I mean, now you could go out and shoot, like, an amazing, you know, feature film, you know, tiny furniture or something like that in a 5D for, like, no money. But, you know, it was interesting. It, it was interesting to see how innovative, you know, people had to be, especially when, you know, they're on the line with, uh, you know, with labels making all these demands and, you know, they... You need to be extremely visionary if you're if you're going to make something with nothing. So, I don't know. I, I guess I saw that and I wanted to be a part of it, so I just started, you know, making videos whenever I could and promoting them myself. And you know, eventually, I guess I just started calling myself a music video director, and I I have been since. And what about the medium? Is, uh, is appealing to you, you know, after getting into it, uh, you know, interning and then starting to work on your own stuff? You know, music videos are, I, they're a cultural phenomenon. I think that's the most important thing. When you look at a music video, you, you think of some of the most iconic imagery that you can, like a, like a great commercial. Maybe you'll think about it for a few years, I feel like, unless it's like, you know, something particularly like absolutely revolutionary, but like an amazing music video, like I was just talking the other day about Justify My Love or something like that, or Smack My Bitch Up, that's imagery that lasts, that can last you throughout your entire life, you know what I mean? That's like mind-altering, game-changing stuff, you know? Music videos have the power to create a cultural climate, you know what I mean? Without these Lady Gaga and Nicki Minaj videos, I think fashion would be a lot different for, you know, for younger women and stuff like that. I mean, when you think back at, like, I mean, this is a, this is a funny example, actually, but, like, you know, it's just, when you, when you think back to, like, those Limp Biscuit videos and that red hat that Fred Durst was wearing and then everybody was wearing that red Yankees hat or whatever, <laughs> I mean, that just goes to show you how much, you know, a simple image or picture can change the entire cultural identity of a group of people. And, you know, I really think that's, that's just so cool. It's so awesome. And, you know, that's what I think most music video directors who are interested in the art and the craft of music video just they're striving to create something that, you know, eventually will catch on in terms of, like, a cultural phenomenon. Like, for example, here's another one, Katy Perry, the motion theory, Katy Perry music video with, like, the uh, Candyland stuff. I mean, think about how many people last Halloween were dressed up as Katy Perry for that motion theory video. I mean, just to know, I, I can't think of any other besides, like, you know, cult classic indie movies. I can't think of any other medium where somebody would be that inspired to, you know, come up with their own rendition of something like that. And I, you know, it's something that I think shapes the world we live in, and I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of that. Is that something that you're, you know, constantly conscious of? You know, you, you mentioned that, you know, Nicki Minaj kind of molded the fashion based on her videos in Lady Gaga, and, you know, you've done videos for people who kind of are have the ability to do the same thing, you know, like uh, Theophilus London um, is really on kind of the cutting edge of fashion and, and kind of in that world as well. Do you have to take that into consideration while you're make, working on a video for somebody like that? Yeah, I mean, it's a music video kind of like, especially something with a more popular artist, it bridges 
the gap between art and a commercial. So a lot of the times you you have to represent the artist in terms of you know their like commercial properties, like you're advertising them to fans. And when you think when you think about that, you know they have a certain image that they absolutely need to uphold. And I feel like that's why you know a lot of really cool artistic videos, like kind of like that Megaforce uh, Kid Cudi one. That's why those videos get canned because they're focusing more on the art, which is great. I mean, in a perfect world, we could just do that for every video, but, you know, there's definitely this image that you have to maintain. So, like, for example, with Theophilus, you know, I made very little decision when it came to the fashion aspect of that video. And I, I respect that, and I actually, I enjoy that, because I, you know, I wanted him to bring his own personality and his flavor to the video, because, uh, you know, his, his previous videos were very... I don't know. They, he, he felt very stilted. He didn't feel very comfortable. So in that one, I just tried to make it as comfortable as I, him as comfortable as I could. And you know, like basically what happened on that one. I mean, you know, there were decisions where, you know, he wanted to wear something that's absolutely ridiculous, and I would just say no. <laughs> but you know, aside from that, you know, you're you're branding these people as much as it hurts to say that you're, you know, you're branding the Theophilus London video. You know, you have to get shots of his jewelry. You have to get shots of his glasses. You're branding them as something that, you know, somebody can go to their concert or go to their music or something like that. So I mean I don't know. It's kinda of, it's funny how, how it how it just bridges the gap between that, but you know, honestly I, I don't I don't really mind. There's some great commercials. As long as it's done tastefully, then it's okay. But when it gets to the point where it's just like gratuitous amounts of like product placement and, you know, the video actually starts Coming a commercial, that's when I feel like, you know, younger audiences start to realize that, you know, it's a marketing scheme and they don't buy into it. So you do still have like a, you know, even though you have to maintain, you know, certain things, like you, like you said, you had to let him pick most of his wardrobe and everything like that. Uh, you still feel like you're, you're bringing something to the video yourself. Uh, you know, I even read on your blog, somebody said that you directed his video, which, which they hear means something. So do you still think that... <laughs> Uh, you know, do you, th you still think that, uh, you know, you're still bringing something to the table? Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of these videos, especially now, they're, they're letting artists have more control over the content, which, which for better or worse, you know, sometimes an artist has a vision and you have to say no. And sometimes an artist has a vision and you're like, okay, well, this is cool. I want to expand on this, make this my own and create something that we can both look at and say, you know, this is a fantastic video. So, for example, that's what I did with the Theophilus one. You know, we, he had a rough idea. I sketched it out. I knew how I wanted to shoot it. I knew how I wanted to present him. I knew I wanted his personality and his flavor as an artist in there. And, you know, I brought my imagery and my way of shooting to the table. I mean, somebody else could have done the same concept and wouldn't have been the same video. But it's actually, it's really funny that we're talking about The Office because um, about a, two months ago, they came to me and asked me if I wanted to do a video um, that now is his latest video. And I don't know if you've seen it, but I actually, I, I turned it down because I didn't like the concept. And you can see, you can see what happened in that video. Is that the one with the car, the car and the green screen? Yeah. 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 You know... It, a lot of times you cannot give, it, it really thinks that you can't give, unless they're like somebody who has an incredible, incredible eye and an incredible sense of like space and design, you can't really give an artist full creative control because as amazing a musician they are, I don't think they understand how, you know, they understand how they want themselves to be represented, but they don't understand what it takes to make that happen. So they could come up with an idea that doesn't work. And, you know, when you tell them, okay, it doesn't work, like we need to go back, you know, in their head, they're seeing something else and everybody else is seeing it a different way. And when it comes, in, it comes to fruition, you know, they say, oh, I, I don't like this. This isn't what I thought it was, you know what I mean? Right. So it's, it's, it's tough. And that's why, I, that's why I turned that down because I knew that, you know, I, I would have little creative control over that and I... 
I wanted to, you know, shape something where, you know, you could have a sense of collaboration. Like, uh, I think most people are are interested in collaborating when it comes to videos. You know, you you don't really want no feedback from the band because, you know, you want them to be excited about the video. But at the same token, you don't want them to be too involved because they, you know, they really don't understand the repercussions of, like, you know, some of the shots that they want in addition to it, you know, they just won't work. So are artists or or maybe, you know, the um, management companies, are they coming to you with a with a basic sketch or are you putting, you know, concepts out out to them? How's, how does your process work or how do you prefer to work in that way? Um, well, you know, it's really varied. I think what happens now, what's been happening recently is artists have been sending out... Um, you know, briefs that just say the budget and where they want to shoot and, like, the bare necessities of the video. And they don't really say anything else, and then they get a slew of treatments and they don't like any of them. <laughs> and you get some briefs where the artists lay out what they want, and, you know, they want you to be creative and expand on that. And those are probably ones with the most that, that would yield the most success for those people. They know in which creative direction they want to go in, what type of imagery they want, but they're not too specific. And then there are the briefs that you get where they're literally note for note pretty much exactly what the band wants, which for better or worse, you know, that's what they're going to get, and those videos are, are usually not successful. And if you, you know, if you try to pitch on that and try to bring anything else to the table, it's usually shut down. So, I mean, it's, that seems to be, you know, the current climate of what it is. I think recently, now that the budgets are so small and that, you know, people are beginning to sign bands like, you know, like Colts, for example, that's a band that has, you know, their hands dipped in their music videos tremendously. Whereas previously, like if you, if you had an artist like, let's say, um, yeah, I don't know, like Britney Spears or somebody like that, I feel like, you know, you'd be, You'd be, you know what, you'd probably be able to have a little more creative freedom because they really wouldn't care. They would just show up and do it and do whatever. But I feel like, you know, since they, since a band like Colts is so involved in their videos and their processes, you know that, like, you know, they're going to scrutinize everything you write or they're going to, you know, look at your cut. And it might end up being harder to shoot a Colts video than something for a bigger band. So it's kind of funny how that works out. Yeah, Britney Spears will just wear whatever you bring to the set. No questions asked. Well, I mean, it, you know what? It, it depends. In terms of in terms of fashion, I feel like you, you know that there's a lot of collaboration involved in that. Like when I was saying, you know, there's an image that these people are looking to maintain. You know, unless it's something like uh, totally different. You know, that you're you're trying to do for the video. Like you want them to dress up in like you know 80s style clothing or something like that, or something incredibly stylized. That's one thing. But usually. You know, they, people are really specific on what on what they want to wear and what styles they want to wear. But for example, like um, you know, all the Colts videos, like the Colts briefs and stuff like that that they send out. I don't know why I keep on talking about Colts, but <laughs> I, I guess since they're just sending out so many briefs, I can talk about it. Um, and they've been saying that they don't really want performance or that they don't really want this or that. And you know, I know my um, my friend Dave shot a Colts video and. They were really hyper specific in the casting and the edits and how the effects were going to be and stuff like that. I mean, they were they were really really hands on. Whereas you know I've done videos where you know the artist is just like, okay, great. <laughs> oh. You know what I mean? Well, that's what one thing I wanted to ask you about is the casting because I feel like that's a thread um, you know going through your videos the the people. You know, not just the artists, the, the other people cast in the videos are, I don't know, there's just something interesting about them. They're interesting to watch. Um, it's it, it, it's pretty clear that, you know, you, it, somebody just wasn't thrown in there because they're around on the day. Um, you know, do you handle casting? And I was wondering if you could talk about, you know, your, your, um, you know, your process behind that. Yeah, casting is something that I think I value and could actually make or break a video. And, you know... I think if you're looking at my videos versus, you know, my friends' videos, I absolutely 
have to make sure that people look beautiful or interesting or whatever. I, they just need to have that right look. I, I don't think I would ever put my friend in a video or something like that unless it was just like a humorous kind of a thing because I don't know. I feel like that adds to the magic. You know what I mean? When you're watching a video and it, it has like these crazy effects or it's, it has this imagery that's supposed to look beautiful and it ends up looking like, you know, it's like your neighbor on screen, I think that just, like, takes away from the magic, especially when, you know, you're trying to make, like, a $500 music video look like a $50,000 music video, you know what I mean? You just have to make sure that every single element of it looks beautiful. So, I I mean, I'm I'm hyper-specific with stuff like that. I'm extremely picky. And I think, you know, if anything, I I, I wouldn't necessarily say that that's the cause uh, for any success, but I, I would say that it definitely helps. And being in Brooklyn, I mean, there's there's a lot of, uh, especially in the people that I've talked to in your videos, there's a lot of hipster crushes going on. Um, does it make it a little bit easier in Brooklyn? I, I'm just saying that because we've, we've, in the videos we've seen that are shot in Brooklyn, the the, the people are, are noticeably more beautiful, especially the, the women. Do you have any comment on that? Well, I will. I will say this. All right, are you are you from LA? No, I am not. Are you? So you're in New York? No, I'm in. I'm in the Boondocks. I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina, and Doug's in Florida. Oh wow! Oh wow! Well, I guess I, I guess I'll explain this to you, coming from uh, North Carolina, as, as simple as I can. Um, in LA, there's hardly any diversity when it comes to when it comes to creative work. So if you're in L.A., everybody there is for film. Everybody wants to be a bleach blonde hair, you know, actress that looks like, you know, has the most generic look so they can be molded and made into whatever the machine wants to make them into. Hardly any models, hardly any photographers, hardly any sort of anything, really. And in New York, you have a completely different world. You have a, a world that's focused, you know, as much on film and as much as on photography and fashion and writing and publishing and, you know, there's there's the, the art world and stuff like that. I mean, you have you have just so much more in New York. You could go gallery hopping in LA and, you know, you could you could be done after, you know, maybe one or two different places. In New York you could you could literally just go hopping from place to place for like, you know, 48 hours. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous the amount of diversity that you get just from living in a place, you know, like New York. And I'm, I'm really grateful that I was able to continue my career here because it's like, if I went out to a bar in LA, I'd meet up with somebody who was another aspiring director. And, you know, you really can't make a connection with that. If I go out to a bar here, I could meet somebody who works in, you know, works for a magazine who could get me a job you know, on a photo shoot or something like that. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you different. about. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about your team because it seemed there are people that show up in a few different places, and I noticed that you you're credited as director and editor in a lot of your videos. And yeah, um, Pat Scola uh, turns up a few places as colorist and DP, and your videos look fantastic. And and you know, usually there's a, a little bit of a team behind that. Um, you know, I think a lot of people who make uh, music videos nowadays are like a either a one man team or or really really maybe a two man team or something like that. I mean, what has having you know, a little bit of a team and you know people that you can come back to creatively kind of done for your work? Um, I think for, first and foremost, you know, having somebody who you work with all the time is extremely easy to be like, oh, do this kind of shot, you know, without really any sort of expression or analysis or anything. You just tell them, remember this shot, do that. And then, you know, it just makes you work incredibly more efficiently. But also, you know, it helps It helps you to, uh, you know, to play off of each other. I think it leads to the collaboration. If I'm working with somebody for the first time, they, they might not be as apt to recommend, you know, stylistic changes to me as Pat would. You know, I feel like Pat you know, can sometimes jump into the, the director's seat and, you know, he knows what I'm going for because we've worked together so much. And he, you know, he has the ability to make suggestions to me that I think I think they really benefit, 
you know, what I do. And I, I really, I couldn't ask for a better DP or a better friend. I mean, he's a, he's a great guy. So working, you know, working with your friends and working with people who you're familiar with, I think it's the best feeling in the world. He has a great eye. I, I trust him. I, you know, I don't understand why he's not famous. <laughs> <laughs> Same with us. Um, I, I wonder if you could take, like, maybe take us through, like, maybe more, in more like literal terms, like maybe take the kitten Chinatown video and maybe kind of discuss um, in places where that relationship kind of has helped and, and what, you know, kind of what pieces, uh, you know, kind of came from that relationship. Yeah, I mean, uh, when, when you look at that video, I'm sure you can only imagine how many different shots and setups that we had to have. And I had to cut out at least like 10 to 15 of them. So if you look at my original storyboards, it was like shot after shot after shot after shot after shot after shot. All different things. We had like three different locations and stuff like that. And, you know, I was able to meet with him beforehand. And, you know, we had a long talk about stylistically how we wanted everything to be lit and, you know, the coloring and everything. And we knew, you know, I, I was able to tell him very easily, you know, exactly how these loops are going to work. Pat was actually in meetings with me with Logan, who did all the effects. So he, he was able to know firsthand. I mean, he really, he really stepped it up. I mean, that's the best part about having, you know, your friends working with you is that, you know, he's not going to, demand another prep fee if he just comes along to this meeting and, you know, realizes how, you know, what exactly the plates that we're going to need are and exactly how everything needs to be lit in order for it to work for post and stuff like that. I mean, he was really just on board. And, you know, it at that point, I could just be like, you know, we knew, we had a conversation, we knew stylistically exactly what was going to happen. So... I mean, in those moments, you know, even though we had mapped out exactly where each shot was going to be, you know, there were a lot of times where I just had to be like, all right, shot here in the kitchen, this framing, make it look moody, go. And he'd be able to hit it spot on with, like, very few tweaks afterwards. So, I mean, they, just just being able to rush and being able to do that within the multiple shots and setups, I mean, it was a godsend. It really, I don't, I don't think I could have done that video with somebody who I, who I hadn't worked with before. Otherwise, they would have wanted to kill me by the end. <laughs> how many, how many days was, uh, did you guys shoot that video through? Uh, we shot it for two days. I think in total, must have been like four locations. There was uh, the escarpment in LA, which everybody shoots at. So we shot in every single room in the escarpment and outside. Um, then we, the second day, we went over to a friend's place. He has actually, he he owned a house that had a log cabin attached to it. So we shot in the log cabin and the house and outside. And then from there, we went outside into these tunnels and we lit off all the fireworks. So actually that... Uh, the the shot of the guy doing like fireworks windmills that's actually me we did that after everybody left in a tunnel in uh, East Hollywood it was really sketchy but it was awesome <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of uh, fireworks the one another video that we wanted to ask you about is the hoof and the heel fireworks video um, oh, cool. and it's such a I don't want to say simple concept but it's it, there's not a lot of you know special effects or anything to go with it but it's really sort of you know really draws you and i think it's a really fantastically done video um and i was wondering if you could talk about you know the concept for that and where that came where that came from well basically the story behind that is um you know around that time i i had been doing videos where um you know people i i would ask for advice on what videos i should be doing and people would say, you know, oh, well, you, you can't turn down any opportunities. You should be doing anything you can get. And if anybody's listening right now, don't follow that advice. <laughs> you pick you when you first start out because you making a, you start making all this crap that really has no use to you whatsoever. I mean, I guess looking back on it, you know, it, it helps shape you and makes you become more confident as a director, but it's not something that, 
you know, you're really going to look back on and say, hey, you know, I'm using this for my reel. So at that point, I had just finished up shooting uh, a movie for my friend, which was called So Long Lonesome. It's like it was this feature that we did kind of like this weird ambient mumblecore movie. And it screened at like the uh, Zero Film Festival or something. And Fireworks is one of the songs that was licensed to be in the video, or in the movie rather. So I remember just sitting and watching the segment and listening to the song and being like, man, this song needs a video. Like, this song's really good. So I contacted the band directly. Who They, they loved the movie. They loved the way it was shot. And I was basically just given free reign to do whatever I want. I let them know, you know, the storyline and what I was going to do. And we just, uh, you know, basically I, I borrowed a whole bunch of stuff from all my friends. Like, I had a friend who... I runs a vintage store, so we got all the clothing and all that stuff. I found people who were willing to uh, get naked for free, so that was nice. <laughs> and, you know, basically we took something that, we, we made something really out of nothing. You know, we really didn't have much, and we, we turned it into this video that I would say, you know, for for a band that's rel- that, that I think even at this point is still unknown, I think the video did really well considering you know so I'm, I'm proud of how that video turned out and stuff. but that was a really that was a great project for me and I, I think it, it turned out really well and it was just a great way to be able to interact with people and that create something that you know stylistic and narrative at the same time and that was something that I really liked because I could break out you know all my uh, my narrative director <laughs> filmmaking skills which is always really fun so, you know, there's a lot of, there are hardly any videos that have subtext, and I feel like that video has subtext, so I was, I was kind of proud of that. Um, uh, to follow up that, I uh, could take the high road and talk about the subtext. Um, uh, unfortunately, with the Filmed Insert podcast, we very rarely take the high road. Uh, so I was going to talk <laughs> about the naked people. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, because uh, Adam and I, before the podcast, were talking about, um, you know, where a, this video would have played, you know, 15 years ago when most videos were consumed on MTV. Um, and I noticed that you, you've you actually had videos on MTV, the, you know, the Theophilus London video um, playing on MTV, whereas, you know, fireworks could never. And so... Uh, you know, I was wondering, is there like a, you know, is there, do you, pref- do you prefer something with some more freedom where you know you can kind of do whatever you want because it's only going to be digested by, you know, the web community and you can put that not safe for work tag on it and people will understand that there's going to be something in there or, uh, you know, do you like better making something that's going to be in front of a larger audience? Well, this, this question is really interesting because I think you're, when you're asking it, you're thinking about it from a, from a mindset that doesn't really appreciate the, uh, the power that the Internet has with the music video world. I think, that, I think that if I made it editable, if I made that video you know, just cut and dry, it probably wouldn't have been seen by anybody, even if I did get it on MTV, because I really don't think that you know, broadcast has that much power anymore. I mean, a video that's that's hyper-popular on YouTube probably has more power than a video that's being played all the time on, M- on all, like, five MTV stations. And I think it's just because people appreciate and, you know, mostly consume all their music videos on the Internet at this point. I, I rarely rarely, you know, talk to anybody who's seen my stuff on TV. And it's kind of interesting when it is on TV because you're like, okay, well, I, I still haven't seen it. <laughs> you know, right. I, I, guess, I guess it is on TV. But, you know, I think that uh, I, I love this new freedom where you're, where you're able to just, if you want to put something in a video, you can. You know what I mean? I just love that, that concept. And really, if it's editable, it's editable, but I think People, people, you know, that newfound freedom. Like, 
I think when you when you think about it, like like a video like Klaxons or something like that, like the Sam one, like that is such an amazing video. And to think that we live in a world where you know, let's say 15 years ago, that couldn't have been made. You know what I mean? It's just absolutely it's it's a phenomenon. And even when you when you look at Lady Gaga, for example, I mean, you know, Lady Gaga is like what now, like the Michael Jackson of the music video world now, I guess, but. You know, um, her videos are even uncensored on the internet and stuff like that. And just the amount of creative freedom that you get when you're not tampered by, like the standard and practices people, it's just it's it's phenomenal. I love it. You know, like you when you do stuff for MTV, you get feedback like, oh, you can't have that shot because it has somebody in a bikini, but like you didn't pan up to their head. So like you can't have that shot, <laughs> and it's just like what? It's like what are you talking about? <laughs> Nobody's even going to notice that. But it's just the amount of freedom that you get, and then the ability to say, all right, well, you know, why not put some tasteful nudity in, you know, in my video? I can it's for the internet. There's nobody, nobody's going to stop me, you know, nobody's going to censor me. Now for I some, that's that's really, you know. I, I thought they were going to they were going to try and, and censor Kitten. I really did. I don't know where what happened with that, but they were, you know, because there's so much dangerous stuff in that video, and we didn't have a stunt coordinator, and we didn't have anything, and all that stuff is real. Like when they were breaking the glass, that's real. When they're laying stuff on fire, it's real, and it was really fucking dangerous. And you know. I guess that's that's a tangent. I totally thought that they were going to be like cut out all the fire or something like that, but they didn't. So props to them. But yeah, you know, you get all the all the things that really like push a video that make it controversial, that make it, you know, really edgy. You know, if you have people there taking it out, I feel like it makes less of a cultural impact. You know, and and to be you know on the other side. Banning a video makes it just as popular, if not more popular, than uh, if it isn't banned. So I'm all for that sort of stuff because it's like think of a video like Smack My Bitch Up, where that was probably that was one of the first videos that I can remember. It wasn't the first, but it's one of the first videos that I can remember where there was a cultural backlash to it. And when you look at it, I mean, it was amazing. You wouldn't have videos like. Um, Cinnamon Love Deluxe or whatever, or or movies like um, Enter the Void without it. I mean, that that really set the tone for a lot of that imagery. And, you know, that was a banned video. And that made it so much more popular. So I'm, I'm all for it, you know. For a guy, yeah, for a guy who is co-founding a music video database on the internet, Doug, you were kind of selling out music videos on the internet there. No, no, no. I, I, I think that the the question got, I said it wrong. No, no, no. That's I, what I, happens? I'm just giving yeah. you a hard time. But uh, yeah, I know you are. But no, I, I, I remember seeing that uh, the edited version, like the heavily edited version of Smack My Bitch Up on on MTV way back in the day, and thinking, why, why, why does it have to be the way? Where can I get the actual full version of it? Right. Um, it gets. It gets you thinking. It gets you thinking, and that's you know, like another one I can think of is uh, I don't know if you remember the the like Ava Door video about the Smashing Pumpkin. Oh yeah, yeah, Basically, definitely. The concept is he's walking into all these rooms, and then he walks into like this this room where everybody's having an orgy, and literally the entire frame is censored. And it's like that sort of like tongue in cheek, like you know, subtly like you know, banning parts of the video or like, you know, doing stuff in spite of like standards of practice and stuff like that. I mean, that edge makes things popular and I think people appreciate that, you know. One of the other uh, videos that I wanted to ask ask you about, um, because... Wait, Let me just say, before you do, that's just a leading question and I got the greatest answer ever on the history of this podcast by that horrible leading question. So I'm not selling that anybody. Now on this podcast, we love certain types of videos. Uh, and one of the ones we love is party videos. And I was pleasantly surprised to find one in your can in the Somerset, the boys you do video. Um, oh, yeah. Because there's a lot of glitter. 
there's a lot of partying and stuff like that. Um, but it just, it, it, I found it in- interesting. It just, because it, because it came from you, I was wondering where did that, where did that video come from? How did you get in, con- in contact with the Somerset? Um, well, remember how I said earlier <laughs> that, you know, that don't take every single offer you get. We got picks. We got so many picks. Doug, you got a pick? Oh, I'm I'm so excited about my pick. I like genuinely excited about my pick because it could be one of my one of my favorite favorite videos. Um, uh, I, I'm so excited about it. I'm gonna savor it a little bit more and let you go first. Oh man, now you got, I won't even be able to concentrate on mine because I'm thinking about your pick. What my pick could be or what it will be? I mean, do you know? No, I have no clue. I but, mean, you know. All right. No, I, go. You go. So, okay. So, I like, if you listen to the whole interview with Brian, I mentioned party videos. Because I, I love music videos. There's so many of them, they sort of fall into a um, different categories. And I kind of want to add that to the site because... There's uh, there's like party videos. There's just sort of like really lazy setup videos, and then is that what you, is that the name of the category? Lazy setup videos yes, that you would put lazy setup videos, like a Nickelback video or something. Um, I'm I'm briefly trying to figure out who who would be listening to this portion of the podcast, but not the whole interview. I don't know. Maybe our band. It's like oh, skip skip forward past this interview. <laughs> Let's just find out the picks. That's what I'm here for. Well, this one is just came out, um, and it is the music video for Adele's song "Someone Like You," and I picked it for a number of reasons. Number one, it falls into two categories, which I oh, I enjoy. It is a walk and walk and talk ca- category, wherein the artist just walks around. It is an extremely easy video to do. I'm sure it's not easy, but you know, it's a one-shot thing. There's not really an editor. The person like just walking into the camera, Steadicam. Not Steadicam. Just like I don't know if you even know if this is Steadicam. Probably not. Uh, uh, maybe you can never tell. It's actually filmed on kind of old-school film. Uh, it's in Paris, right next to the Seine, and Adele is walking along singing the song. If you haven't heard the song, it's a very, uh, you know poignant E song. Um, she sang out of the 2001 uh, MTV Music Awards. And other great videos that belong in this category are videos like uh, Cold Plays Yellow, where Chris Martin is walking on a beach singing the song. And a whole other, and the um, Bittersweet Symphony by the band, I can't remember, the Verb Pipe, I think and where he's just walking on the street. It's a walk and talk. I like those kind of videos. And There's it, a lot of rap rap videos like that too. A ton yeah, of rap videos. Exactly, yeah. I mean it's e- I mean it's uh, setup wise it's easy, it cost wise it's very effective. And if you have an artist that uh, is able to really kind of capture and hold your attention for a music video, it's tough cuz you're just sitting there you're just walking around and seeing the video. Is it one shot? It's one shot. Yeah, it's always one shot. Um, for a walk and talk. However, this one also has another category, which is actually not usually, it's kind of rare nowadays, which is the stop and sing. The stop and sing <laughs> is where you are sing, lip syncing the video, but you stop at a certain point. Um, and famously used on the Anton Corbin uh, version of uh, One by U2, where Bono stop singing a portion of the song um, and it was very poignant in this and in the and in the Adele uh, Someone Like You video she stops and looks out in the scene for a um, for a, a verse and goes back on the chorus and I think actually in the title of the creator Yonkers video he stops for a little bit um yeah um so is it not a walk and talk video I'm still trying to 
wrap my head completely around walk and talk. So like there's a lot of rap videos, especially a lot of recent rap videos, some some that come to mind are like some Mac Miller videos and stuff, where he's always walking at the camera, at, but there's maybe three or four different places and they're cutting from one to one to mm -hmm. one. Or, or, or maybe he'll go from start to finish in a location and then start to finish in another location, but he's still always right into the camera. I think Is that still a walk and talk? I think maybe if we amend or change the definition of walk and talk, that they are walking and talking with the music and then add a category of a one, of a one shot. Um, because yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, because so this is this falls into three categories: then the one shot, the walk and talk, and the stop and sing, uh, sing and stop, or whatever. So it's it's interesting in that because you start. I, I love are interested in kind of identifying these patterns, and even though you know all these music videos are very different, um, Adele kind of falls into those categories a lot. She, I don't know if it's just the people she works with, but she, all her videos oftentimes fall into one or more sort of established categories. Um, especially the one for Rolling in the Deep. Um, it's a house song, a, house, a song that takes place, the music video takes place in, in a, some sort of rundown house. Um, that's definitely a trope. So anyway, my pick is Del, Someone Like You. Um, my dad loves that song, so. Oh, that's great. Yeah. He was here and he made everybody listen to it in the living room of my apartment. <laughs> That's totally true, isn't it? It is. He well, we have an Apple TV and he made us look up, uh, find the MTV Music Award uh, performance on were YouTube. Were you guys? You guys were? Were you uh, like listening to music and everyone's like, "Oh, have you heard this song? Oh, have you heard this song? Oh, have you heard this song?" Or was it just kind of like you guys are sitting around? It's like, "Oh, have you heard Adele perform?" And you were like, "No," and he's like, "Oh God, you got to hear it." Uh, there was the second one. Uh, the latter, because because we were about to go to dinner, we we're gonna go to dinner, and he's like, we gotta we gotta hear this song, yeah. And <laughs> this is something like the video was some was somehow like reversed, so he spent like a long time explaining to everybody like this is it was like reversed in the actual performance. Um, anyway, that's uh, that's my pick. Uh, now I I'm interested to hear hear your stud. Uh, I'm so excited about my pick, as I previously stated. Um, I guess I'll try to categorize this one a little bit. Uh, I, I don't think it fits into any of the categories that you uh, you created. Um, uh, but it starts as a performance video, which is definitely a category. It starts kind of as a performance video. It, it's uh, Chromio When the Night Falls, by the way, is the artisan song. And... Um, it starts kind of as a performance video. Chromio is uh, performing the song on stage, and then it and it then it kind of evolves into a chase video, um, you know, like a Beatles-esque kind of chase people down, you know, chase the art, you know, girls chasing the artist or whoever, you know, chasing the artist. Right. Um, but the device that is used in this video to change this video from a performance video to a chase video is the greatest thing to ever be in a music video ever, ever that I've ever seen ever. Um, what happens in this video is Chromio is performing on stage and as uh, they make eye contact with the women in the bar, they just burst into pregnancy. Like they're just standing there looking at Chromio, make eye contact with Chromio, and then like, boosh, just immediately burst into pregnancy, like, like, but like belly bursts out and like buttons pop and they like fly backwards and they like get up and they're they're like nine months pregnant and then they just like are after Chromio, so. <laughs> I'm so, like so excited about this video. It's it's directed by Daniels, by the way, um, who it's um, which is like a, a their directors collective, and uh, it's, they're both named Daniel, and um, they directed some really like the effects in their music video are like really music videos are really eye catching, and um, all of their music videos are great. But anyway, back to the more important subject, which is these women who burst into pregnancy, they um, are after Chromio, so Chromio then 
runs away from the bar. And as they're running away from in the bar, there's more women in the streets, more women everywhere. And ev every time they see a woman, they see a woman immediate pregnancy and they're all just after them. And uh, I'm pretty sure Marilyn, Marilyn Heidecker's in this video, Tim Heidecker's wife. Uh, you may remember her from the Matt Wells video um, with Tim Heidecker in it. Um, but she's in some of the other Daniels videos too. Uh, God, everyone needs to watch this video. Why are, you, why are you even still listening to me and not watching this video? Because it is just, it's amazing. It's the greatest. It, it is a great video. No, I, I, like I feel bad for any other picks of the week ever. Oh, because I feel so bad for Adele. I feel bad. All right, she's like, I, she had to go. It had to go first. It had to go first. It had to. Um, well, I don't even know what we could. We gotta. Oh man, see the the thing about this video is that the pregnancies are so explosive. They will knock the women off their feet. They will send them yeah catapulted over a railing. It is um yeah burst into pregnancy is is the is the only way to describe it right and Chromio starts to use it to their advantage yeah well we can't give it away but there's a twist uh, there's a, it's such a twist such a twist um well it's not I an M Night Shyamalan twist. few updates Adam um, by the way are you messing with a pen now no that is uh, that's me clipping my nails is that the sound yeah sweet did you have you heard have you picked up any of this any of my pen clicking sounds no I actually haven't, oh. I, haven't heard, I haven't heard it in any of the podcasts 